Amen. I think Tony knew what I was preaching on today, huh? <laughs> Amen. All right, today the title of our message today is The Christian's Battle. The Christian's Battle. It's been said when you were born again, you were born for a battle. You were born for a battle. Now that doesn't sound too good for some, but we should celebrate because we were born to what have victory in this battle. And today I want to help us to better understand, one, realize the battle that we are in as Christians, the enemy we face as Christians, and how to have the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, in finishing up the letter to the Ephesians, Paul tells the Ephesians and us what be strong in the Lord and the power of of his might. Not to be strong in of, of yourself, but to be strong in the Lord. Not depending on your own measly strength, but the strength of what? Almighty God himself. I love the passage when you think about the power of God that we did back in Ephesians chapter 3, a number of months ago. It says this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him, God, who is able to be what? Exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to that power of this work, where? In us who are Christians. Also, Ephesians 1, 13 tells us this, excuse me, 1, 19 tells us this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. Now, why do we need to be reminded of this as the book of Ephesians right at the end, this letter to the Ephesians? Well, Paul has told us for one to live a life worthy of the calling we have in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you, that is what, more than just a good natural life? I think a lot of Christians like, okay, just to live a really good moral Christian life. They think that's it. Uh-uh, folks. If you're truly a Christian, we're called to live a what? A supernatural life. A what? Christ-like life. Where we really are becoming like Christ himself. Does anybody need help on that? Amen. We have to have the power of God to be able to do that. Cannot do that on your own. No way. It's impossible. But it gets even harder than that when we realize what? We're in a battle. We're in a battle as well that tries to keep us from that. And uh, we're in a warfare. And uh, first and foremost, what I want us to realize today, again, we are in that battle each and every day. And we must in faith look to God for the filling of his power. Now, Christians might want to ignore this warfare that we have with Satan and his forces. You know, just I don't want to think about that. You know, I'm so busy. I don't have time to think about all that stuff. And let me tell you, if you do so, if you ignore this battle, you do do so to your own peril, to your own peril. Satan's got you where he wants you if you ignore this battle. Somebody said, well, I don't really want to be in a battle, Pastor. I just don't want to be. Well, sorry, that's the way it is. That is the way it is. Until Jesus comes back, we are in a battle. And uh, imagine if you're walking around in an actual physical war zone and, and uh, battle zone and, and bullets whizzing by and bombs dropping around you and exploding and, and you just totally ignored that and just kind of just going oblivious to all of it, just kind of every day just kind of walking along outside. It wouldn't go well with you, would it? <laughs> Eventually you're in trouble. You're shot. You're, you're dead meat. Well, let me tell you, 
Be careful because we are in a war zone. It's a spiritual battle. And let me tell you, if you ignore that, well, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good at all. You will, it will be to your own peril if you ignore it. Now, not only have we better not ignore it, we better prepare ourselves for this battle. How? Well, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Given to us, what? By God himself. Divine armor given by God. Then and only then can we keep from becoming a casualty in this war. But even more so, that's when we start to have victory in this war. Only then can we stand firm against the devil's schemes. But more on that in a minute. First and foremost, I really want to get sink in the battle that we are in each and every day. Now, let's look at who is this enemy that we're talking about? Who is this enemy? Let's learn more about him. In a warfare, it's, more, it's very important to know who your enemy is, amen? Who they are, how they strategize, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses. It's really important to know who your enemy is. Who are these evil beings? Who are Satan and his forces? And where did they come from? Well, Satan means adversary. So his what? He and his forces are adversaries against God and, of course, especially his children as well. We first see him in scripture after creation in Genesis chapter 3. In fact, he's behind all the pain and suffering, death and torment that we see today. Because he's the one what? That tempted Adam and Eve to turn away from God and sin entered the picture. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, and of course, he and his demons are still active today, tempting people towards sin. Every time you sin, let me tell you, it leads to some type of destruction for you, but also those around you as well. And there's not a lot on the origin of Satan in Scripture, but apparently he was a beautiful and powerful angel, Lucifer, that fell due to the sin of pride. He wanted to take the place of God. He really wanted to take the place of God. Many think Isaiah chapter 14, uh, 12 through 15, points to this. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, means light bearer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be what? Brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So this, many again think this refers to Satan. And then he what? Led other angels to form him in rebellion against God and they too fell as well. Now we have Satan in charge of this demonic horde. He's the, what, the leader of this group. Now you can learn a lot about Satan from his names. He's got a lot of different names given to him in scripture. The most common name is Diabolus, which means devil, again, or adversary or accuser. Some other names, Lucifer, again, light bearer originally. Uh, liar. The father of lies. Uh, others would be uh, as well deceiver, serpent, the evil one, murderer, tempter, thief, the great dragon, Beelzebub, prince of demons, so forth. Over and over. Wicked. Number of names. Now what is Satan out to do? Well, I tell you that old hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. What he's out to work us woe. And we're talking about some serious woe here. It says in John 10, 10, Jesus says this, the thief, Satan, does not come except to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's just who he is. And he says what? Jesus says, I'm come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. 
He wants to destroy people, especially Christians. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Being a tempter, he loves to tempt people to sin, which by nature, again, sin leads to some type of destruction. He loves that. He, was at, he had so much gall about him. He was what? He, was, he, tempt, he tried to tempt what? Satan, I mean, excuse me, he tried to tempt Jesus, the Son of God. That shows you the gall that he has. He seeks to hinder God's work, <clears throat> especially in terms of advancing the kingdom of God. He tries to hinder that. Matthew 16, 23 tells us this. But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of God. Man. He seeks to hinder Christians in their service to the Lord. Gets them so busy, not necessarily with bad things, but with some good things, but keeps you away from serving God as he would have you to serve him. Trying to keep Christians from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around you. And let me tell you, from what I've seen statistic-wise, maybe around 5% of Christians actively share the gospel. So sad to say, Satan's doing a good job of keeping Christians from sharing the gospel like we should with those around us. Being the father of lies, he loves to work through deception, even disguising himself as the angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no wonder, it says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Essentially, when his name beforehand, Lucifer, the light bearer, this is what he does now. What tries to what? Come as an image of light. He's behind all false religions. And essentially, because these false religions will have an appearance of some type of righteousness. It will have the appearance of righteousness. But it's a what? Counterfeit. It is a counterfeit. It seems like the real thing in some instances, but definitely is not the real thing. Therefore, when you call out these religions as being false, say Jehovah's Witness, Mormons is a light. I mean, you're talking about dedicated people, and they what? They've got a mixture of righteousness, no doubt about that. But it is a counterfeit. They get upset. But look at what they do. They look at all these good things. But again, the counterfeit looks like the real thing, but it is not. And he loves to keep people in their sin and headed to hell by blinding them to the gospel through philosophies and practices of the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us this, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He'll try to keep unbelievers in bondage to sin, that they don't want to give up that sin, so that because of that, they will not turn and trust in Jesus Christ. They will not turn to him. That sin keeps them from coming to Jesus. You know, sometimes it's not even, it gets people to think something sin that is not sin. And it keeps them from coming to Jesus. I have a guy right down the road, nice guy. I visited him many years ago, a number of times. And let me tell you, he would listen to the gospel. We would talk a little bit, just the nicest guy. He'd offer me, he'd give me fish. You know, he's just the nicest guy. I didn't really know him before I started talking to him. And, uh, and he was an older guy, and I said, you know, we talked about coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, gave the gospel. And as I remember, I don't remember it exactly, but it was something on the Lord. I'd like to, but I just love pork, uh, and I don't want to give that up. And, and I was like, I, <laughs> you know, try to explain, you know, we're not Jewish, you know, you know so, so I didn't understand that, but we talked about it, but it just couldn't get it through to him. Just, it wasn't exactly that, but it was something on that order. Just, it was pretty wild. Now, Verse 12 sees our struggle is against what? Let's see here. Chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. It shows what? This is not one powerful being we're fighting against. What it is a, what, army, army of them against many. It seems what the rulers, authority, and so forth point to different rankings, you know, ranks that they have of evil spirits, points to organization among the enemy ranks, a chain of command, definitely points to power and authority that they have. Now, often people will say, you know, well, Satan really sure is after me, and they're referring to Satan himself. But let me tell you, I don't believe Satan has attacked anybody in here personally. I do not believe that. And the reason for that is, Satan is not omnipresent. Amen? He cannot be present in more than one place at one time. God's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Satan's not like that. He can only be at one place at one time. And therefore, how many people we got in the world? Almost 8 billion people. I don't think he has time for us. I really don't think he has time for us. But what? His demons sure do. And there's a multitude of demons. And I, get, I truly believe everybody in here at some time in your life, more than once, many times in your life, Satan has messed with you in your life. Excuse me, through the demons has messed with you in your life. It says here, Satan and his forces are of darkness, meaning they're evil, wicked through and through. They love the darkness. They are repelled by the light. They have no morality whatsoever. In fact, they're perverts. They are perverts. They love to pervert the good things of God. They have no honor, no conscience, no mercy, no compassion, no sense. They're not going to fight fair. They, who cares about fighting fair? They love to bring pain to people, to get them in a state of an anguish, to drive them to suicide. You know, take that suspected killer of those students in Idaho, the suspected killer, murderer of those college students in Idaho. Uh, and if he's truly guilty, what? He's showing no remorse whatsoever. He shows no remorse whatsoever. And uh, say, how horrible. How could a person be like that? But let me tell you, somebody like that doesn't even come close to what Satan and the demons are like. How evil. I mean, just wicked through and through. No compassion whatsoever. It says there are spiritual forces of evil. Evil beings located where? In the unseen spiritual realm. They have great power in this world. Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. John said in 1 John 5, 19, he says this, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. It's true that Satan and his forces were defeated at the cross, praise God, but they've not been eliminated, amen? One day they'll be in the lake of fire, but until then, let me tell you, they're still trying to work their woe. They have significant power, can do extensive damage still. As mentioned before, Satan loves to scheme. He loves to work in the darkness. Yes, he may persecute you in the open. When you stand for biblical values, say you're on Facebook. I don't get on Facebook, but let's say somebody's on Facebook and they start this conversation about some of the things in the world and you hold the biblical values, what? Satan will attack you personally, amen? He will come against you from what I understand. People will come all out against you. But so often... What he does, he works behind the scenes, very, very subtly, what Christ, trying to seduce you into some type of sin, some type of wickedness in your life, get you to compromise with sin, deceive you in order to get you to do that which is wrong. He loves the scheme to get people to think that he does not exist. 
Many people in the United States, I guarantee you, do not think Satan exists. Some people in the church these days, sadly, do not think that Satan exists. They like to think of him as somebody like a make-believe, kind of like a cartoon character. I think we have a cartoon character that we have that sometimes people think of him with a devil with a pitchfork. And it makes it a lot easier for him to do his work when people think of him that way. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the great preachers of the last generation, said, I am certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. All is attributed to us. We have become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We are ignorant in this great objective fact, the being, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser, and his fiery darts. Now that we know something about our enemy, what is needed in order to defeat this enemy? Again, can we defeat them, him in of ourselves? No way. It'd be an absolute joke to take him on ourselves. We need God's help. But even then, you have to understand how what? To make use of the power given to us. You need to ask the seven sons of Sceva. Back in the Old Testament, excuse me, in the New Testament, uh, they were sons of a Jewish high priest and, and they were out trying to, you know, exercise demons from people and, and they started they heard about Jesus and man the power that he had in exercising demons and Paul and man they want to so what they do start evoking that name and let's see what happens with them Acts chapter 19 13 says then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying we exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches also, there were seven sons of Sceva and Jewish chief priests who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I love this, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered these seven guys and prevailed against them. So they fled of the house naked and wounded. They were not followers of Jesus, amen? So they may invoke the name, but it didn't do any good because they were not true followers of Jesus. So what we need to do, to, what do we need to do to overcome the devil and his demons? Again, it says in verse 10 to be what? Strong in the Lord. How does one become strong in the Lord? Well, for one thing, deepen your relationship with him. Deepen that walk with him. And what? Not just coming to him when you're in need. Not just coming to him when you're having, oh my gosh, things are falling apart. But continually what? Be in that relationship with him, focusing on that relationship and what continually depending upon him for his enablement to live this Christian life. Not just when it's an emergency, amen, go then, but also other times as well. Really looking to him throughout your day, seeking to live a life of Christ-likeness in this dark, dark world. You know, uh, our power is a joke compared to the power of demons. But I do want you to know this, the demon's power is a joke compared to the spirit of God. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because what? He who is in you, in you and me, is greater than Satan and his forces who are in the world. You remember that in the Exodus, in the book of Exodus, Moses and his brother Aaron, who became the high priest, they, were the, they had come to the Pharaoh, and God sends them there, and they said that, you know, you need to let us go out to the wilderness to worship God. He said, well, who's this God you're talking about? And Pharaoh, you know, who are you even coming and talking to me? And so when they keep trying to talk to him about letting them go and worship, and he said, well, why don't you do a miracle? Why don't you do a miracle? So uh, Aaron throws down his staff. You remember what happens? Turns into a snake. Pretty good miracle, amen? Turns into a snake. 
And then lo and behold, the Pharaoh, he's able to get his sorcerers and they come in, they have rods as well, staffs as well, and they throw them down, what happens? They, they become snakes as well. So wow, pretty powerful. However, I don't know about you, I'm glad I wasn't in that room with all these slithering snakes. I don't know about you. But I mean, it didn't last too long, though. What happened? Aaron's rod that turned into snake, what, ate all the other snakes up. Interesting. It can be impressive what Satan and the demons can do. That's a joke in comparison to our God. Amen? He definitely, without a doubt, overrules them big time. And I wonder about Pharaoh whenever he saw that staff and you know, what it did to the other, you know, the, the, his sources and stuff. I wonder what Pharaoh would think. Now, how do we overcome our enemy in this battle? It says we stand. It says we stand. Paul wants us to have stability in these attacks from the enemy. Because if you're not stable, what happens? You can fall. I remember, it was a while back, but I remember, it gets kind of embarrassing times you get older. Anybody? It gets a little embarrassing sometimes. I'm glad I was by myself when I did this. I, I was trying to get my pants on or off. I forget which one it was. You know, I could just, used to be in the old days, I'd just stand there, you know, no problem. Didn't have to sit down or anything. And, and so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I get stuck, <laughs> and I fall down. You know, I don't have the stability that I used to. And when you aren't stable, what happens? You fall. That's just part as you get older and older, you have some more of that. You can limit that by exercise and stuff, but still even then, eventually it'll get you. But praise God, in the spiritual realm, we can have what grow in our stability as we get older, as we get older, more and more in our walk with the Lord. And uh, so that we're not as apt to fall. Well, how do we stand? By putting on the full armor of God. So we don't ignore the battle and hope God takes. Let me tell you, some people say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I understand. I just believe God's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about all this, Pastor. I just know he's going to take, I just trust him. Well, let me tell you, what does he tell you to do? He tells you to put on the armor, amen? You've got responsibility. You've got some part to play in this. And I guarantee you, some people will do that. They're, I ain't going to worry about all that stuff. God will take care of me. Amen, he loves you, but he's also told you what you need to do, amen? If you don't do what he tells you to do, you're going to suffer the consequences. And he tells you to put on this armor, like you put on clothes each day. Now, this, of course, is not physical armor. But we'll see in the coming weeks ahead, as we go through it, this armor consists of such things as truth, righteousness, salvation, the gospel, the word of God. And it really corresponds to something we saw in Ephesians chapter four a number of months ago. It points to what? Pointing on the new self, who we are in Christ Jesus. In fact, as theologian Peter O'Brien said, essentially putting on the new self is the same as donning the armor of God. In other words, knowing who we are in Christ and our oneness with him, Growing in Christ's likeness as we depend upon the resources that God has given us. <clears throat> so our goal is to what? Is to stand. Stand against the devil's wiles. Stand against the devil's schemes and his strategies. Let me tell you, Satan can be extremely clever, extremely cunning, deceptive, subtle, and so forth. And largely implements his schemes through the evil world system where, and by which he rules. If you understand the battle, let me tell you though, and you pay attention, you understand and really believe and know that Satan exists, he and his forces, and that he's at work in the world system, it's pretty easy to spot him sometimes though, isn't it? If you're really focused on it. Uh, again, he'll use different strategies in different areas. In America, more and more, he's leading us what? And more and more into moral depravity, more and more into debauchery. We see that in America and other places as well. 
And some of the, even some of the church in America are what? Calling evil good and good evil. You're seeing that. Seeing Satan at work in the world system. In fact, you're being pressured. You better call some of this that which is evil good or you're in trouble. You're evil yourself if you don't call some of what's going on good that is truly evil. You see the world system, the devil at work in this world system here in America and other places as well. However, in other places it may be what? Evil communistic regime. That's very oppressive. And, and said, you better not worship God or we'll come arrest you. You see that over in other areas as well. You might have radical Muslim terrorists that are in charge of a whole area. And you better not worship Jesus Christ or what? You could be a dead person. So you see what? Satan at work in these different world governments and the world system. And, uh, but all are under the sway of the evil one. Satan is, let me tell you, Satan studied people for thousands of years now. Thousands and thousands. He studied people and he knows how we operate. He knows how we function. He knows what works best with people, maybe different cultures and so forth. And he strategizes also against the church. If you're saved, that means you and me, the church. It appears the Idaho murder suspect, well, I read the other day that he was stalking these people. He was kind of studying them and stalking them before he uh, went and murdered them. And let me tell you, I want you to understand today, as a Christian, Satan and his forces stalk you. I hope you understand that. Don't, don't be scared. You know, I can't sleep at night. No. But let me tell you, they are studying you. They study you. They study me. To what? To know our weaknesses, our strengths and weaknesses. What would work best on this person may not work best on the other person. I have strengths and weaknesses. I get tempted by certain things you may not get tempted by. You get tempted by some things I may not get tempted by. But I do know who knows what you get tempted by, and that's Satan as his, and his forces to know what will work best in their tax against you and me. Now, then in verse 12, Paul points to this warfare we experience as a struggle and really points to some translations that have wrestling. There's a wrestling that goes on. And not wrestling with other people, but against Satan and his schemes. Uh, although Satan, I will say, does work through people and nations and so forth and, and institutions. Now, I enjoyed wrestling some with my buddies growing up. You know, we'd see who could win some wrestling matches and playing around and stuff like that. I enjoyed some of that. But I, never, I was never on a wrestling team at school, like in high school or college. But I knew some guys that were. And uh, I would talk to them about their wrestling sessions, you know, their practice sessions. And let me tell you, it was grueling what they did to these guys from what they said. And I was like, I said, man, that didn't appeal to me at all. <laughs> I don't want to go through all that. And, but, you know, it was very personal. They're you know, wrestling with each other and just grueling. And, and really, it's really personal and up-close combat that we have with Satan and his forces. As we can get personal, up-close, it's like hand-to-hand -hand combat. I mean, it's very close. And uh, it's not like Satan and his forces are out there somewhere. No, it gets really close and personal, this, what, this fight that we have with them, this battle that we have them with them. It can be rough and grueling. And uh, in fact, uh, Satan and his forces can get very personal in their fight against you. Uh, they know things that you did 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. They know, they know what's happened in your life. They know exactly what's And can they ever beat you up on it? Oh, man, in your mind. Man, they can bring up something that happened 30 years ago. 30 years ago and start beating you up if you let them. They know, and they'll get personal. And boy, they'll accuse you. How could you do? And just rip you. That gets very, very personal. They get very, very tough. Very, very tough in this fight that we have with Satan and his forces. And let me tell you, I've had it my time, at times in my life, and especially in ministry, 
Uh, well, even before that, uh, where I've gotten with the Lord and said, Lord, what in the world is going on? It's like everything. I mean, just people, people are coming against me. I'm sitting there just trying to follow you with everything that I've got. And I'm loving people and I'm just getting attacked left and right. I said, my mind is just like Satan just coming at me. I just, Lord, it's just what in the world is going on? Praying and everything else, you know, man, Lord, what's going on? And I've done that a number of times in my life where I've gotten discouraged. Like, Lord, I just, man. And the Lord's had to remind me. He shouldn't have had to, but he's reminded me a number of times. Something on this order. Son, the war is real and the war is hard. Amen? The war is real. It is a real war, women, folks. You may be ignoring it, but the war is real. Especially as you're seeking to serve God, the war is hard. It can get extremely hard. A lot harder than you ever thought. It can get extremely, extremely hard. Now, Again, though, ultimately the war is not against flesh and blood. But we remember, must remember it's a spiritual battle. So often people, including in the church, some in the church, they, our fight is with other people. Maybe, you know, uh, capitalism versus communism or socialism. Some conservative versus liberal. Uh, some think it's Christianity versus other false religions. But really, it's see very clearly here, our struggle ultimately is not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places that are very dark, very sinister, very wicked. And yes, at times, yes, people come against you. People will hurt you. People will persecute you. And Satan is often them working through those people. But realize it's not against flesh and blood. And, uh, and be careful because Satan will love to get you to think really your enemy is this person. And uh, you can have that in church. And let me tell you, sadly, there's a lot of church fights through the, you know, there's church fights. It's all, you'll hear about it from time to time all over the place. And who do you think's behind those church fights? Satan, amen. I know my dad who, uh, who did believe in the Lord. Uh, he definitely did. But he really struggled with some, some questions. And he said, and he talked to me, he was talking to me one day. He said, you know, why, did, why can't people in church get along? <laughs> Followers of Christ, what in the world's going on? And, and I said, well, Dad, where's the devil going to attack? He's going to attack in the church, amen, because a house divided will not stand. So these church fights, let me tell you, who, who's involved is what? Satan and his forces. But what he'll often do is what? Get you think somebody else in the church, well, they're my enemy. They're their enemy. You know, and, but who's behind the scene pushing buttons? Satan and his forces. And so, but he'll get, he'll try to get you to think one of your family members, your enemy, you know, all these, no, who, our real enemy is Satan and his forces. And we have to be careful with that. Again, a family member is your enemy. You think all sorts of things like that. And, and he's the type of person that will sit or type of individual, he and his forces. You ever had that person that he knows how to get people where they start, he kind of stirs up at something and then he kind of sits back and watch them start fighting. You ever had seen people like that? And they're experts at it, you know, and they just kind of sit there, look, man, look at them going at each other. Look at them going at each other. Kind of stirs it up. Satan does that all the time. He's pushing buttons. He knows how to get you going and start fighting with one another and thinking the other person's the enemy when he's all the time behind the scenes pushing those. But be careful. You're not going to have victory until you know who the real enemy is. Amen. Be careful. In fact, he can use you to do his bidding when you start thinking they are the enemy. Now. Do you think about this battle with Satan and his forces often? How often are his forces coming against you, your family, the church? How often? How often? Daily. 
Are you ensuring you're wearing your armor daily? Are you ensuring that you're wearing the armor that God's given you daily? Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this armor and ensure we're putting it on as we should. But in closing today, I want to show you that Jesus makes it very clear that we're in this warfare daily and we're to pay attention to it daily. We are pay attention to it daily. Lord's Prayer is to be prayed when. Now, when I talk about the Lord's Prayer, I'm not saying yeah, you can pray it word for word. Amen. Definitely you can. And it could be a good thing without a doubt. But I really believe it's a guide. The Lord, it's the prayer that God has given us, Jesus has given us to teach us how to pray. And really it's a guide, I believe, to what? On the different things we need to pray about. Amen. And we need to pray about these type of things how often? Daily. How do you know that? Well, it says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Amen. So we need to cover these areas in the Lord's Prayer daily. And what is at the end of the Lord's Prayer? Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to ask you, how often do you pray that? How often do you pray that? How often are we in a warfare? How often are you in a war zone? Hmm. wonder that. Do you pray that for yourself often, every day? Do you pray that for your family members? Do you pray that for your fellow church? members. Hmm. How often do you think about this warfare that we are in? Do you really think about that each and every day? Again, if you're in a physical war zone, you know, battle, bullets come by, whizzing by, bombs. If you ignore that, you're, you're dead meat. Amen. But how often do we ignore, get so busy, not necessarily with bad things, good things, and we ignore the warfare that we're in spiritually. And it's just as real as a physical war zone. How often are you thinking about it and responding accordingly by putting on your armor, making sure it's on, and praying as we should? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I do pray. Well, first of all, Lord, I want to thank you. How you alert us to this how you warn us of this. Lord, it's fascinating here at the end of this letter in the book, to, the, the, the letter to the Ephesian church. And for us, the last thing basically covered is this warfare. And often the last thing that really wants to stay with you is, is, is the last thing that's covered. And, and Lord, you really want this to stay with us. And I pray that it would sink in deeply in each one of our lives and our hearts that each and every day it's extremely serious, far more serious, I believe, than we realize this warfare that we are in. Are we paying attention to this each and every day as Christians? Whether we want to or not, whether we want to think about it or not, we're soldiers in the army of the living God. We're, we're your soldiers. And Lord, we have an enemy that's coming against us. And are we really prepared for battle each and every day? Are we really focusing on this battle as we should? And Lord, I just pray that you help it to sink in. If we ignore this, it's to our own peril. Lord, it's going to be where we come casually, not necessarily where we die from it, but, but it'll hurt our witness as we give in to maybe some sin. And, and it's really going to cause damage in, in our walk with you and, and affect our witness where we're not being the light that we could be. And, Oh, Father, open our eyes to see this. 
and help us to respond accordingly. Oh Lord, help us in this. Help us to sink in. Father, help us to remember each and every day. Help us to use the Lord's prayer as our guide, making sure we're covering those areas that the Lord's prayer covers. Especially that area where it says, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Lord, realize this is the only way we're going to have victory over Satan and his forces. To stand as you've called us to stand. Putting on that armor. Praying as we should. But Father, someone in here will not have victory over Satan by standing. Because right now they're aligned with Satan. There may be someone here that are aligned with Satan. Father, there's many people in this world that never say, well, there's no way I'm aligned with Satan, but Lord, help them to realize unless they're aligned with Jesus Christ, they're aligned with Satan. They have no idea they're aligned with Satan, what they are, because until we come to Jesus Christ, we are aligned with Satan. We're still in rebellion against you, Lord. Well, I just pray that you help them realize if there's someone in here that, like that today that has never truly been born again, become a new creation in Christ Jesus. They're aligned with Satan. Again, Lord, they may not want to admit that, but help them to realize until they come to Christ. They're not a child of God. The scripture says they're still a child of Satan. And if that's you today, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, been born again, a new creation in Christ Jesus, you need to realize that. And that's the last thing you want to do is align yourself with Satan and his wicked forces, how evil they are. That's the last thing you want to do. If that's you today, instead, will you not receive the wonderful gift of salvation and become a child of the living God and be able to have victory over Satan and his forces who are only out to steal, kill, and destroy in people's lives. Lord, just help us to realize, Lord, uh, that, that Satan's always out to blind unbelievers because he, misery loves company and he's, he knows his destiny. He wants to drag as many to hell with him as he can. And Lord, if there's someone in here today that's never trusted in you, Jesus is Lord and Savior. Well, then, Lord, Lord, let this be the day they do that. Help them to realize the gift of salvation we have in you, Lord Jesus. If that's you today, you'd like to see this wonderful gift of salvation. Maybe you've never done it. Maybe you don't know for sure if you've done it. You're not sure if you've truly been born again. Will you not do that today? Say, Pastor, how do you do that? Well, number one, understand you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And we need a Savior. And realize that Savior is Jesus. He's the only Savior. He's the only one that could pay for our sins because he had no sin to pay for. And then he paid for that sin by dying on that cross for you and for me. That we who deserve hell, we can have heaven instead. Because he paid that sin debt for us. 
again by dying in our place on that cross. And if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith in Jesus and Him alone, that He died in our place, no longer trusting that we could make it on our own to heaven. So many people think, well, I'm a pretty good person. I think I'll go to heaven. No, you have to turn from trusting that somehow you can make it on your own and trust in Jesus and Him alone for your salvation. If you'll do that today, trusting in Him and Him alone, that He died in your place on that cross at Calvary and rose again on the third day and do it with your heart means you're going to follow through and follow Him. You've passed from death to life. You'll be a member of the family of God. And know if you were to die today, you'd be in glory. I'd like to give you that opportunity right now. If you've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you not do that today? Will you not just quietly where you're at? Just call upon the name of the Lord. Say, oh Lord, I'm a sinner. I realize that I've sinned against you so many times. But I believe you're my Savior. Lord, I believe you died on that cross for me personally. And you rose again on the third day. I'm asking you, I'm trusting you. Forgive me of my sins and to save my soul. Come into my heart. Make me the person you'd have me to be. Father, thank you if somebody did that, they passed from death to life. If they meant it with their heart and not just their head, and they know they meant it with their heart, if they follow through and follow in you. Father, we just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, real quick, Jared, everybody come on down. I want to pray over to Jared as a congregation to launching out to school and being a youth minister. And so, amen. Amen. I'm excited, excited for you. Tony, why don't you come up as well, and we'll pray. Y'all just lift your hands up to Jared. Anything prayer-wise? Um, Especially pray for just many of your mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> pray that he studies. <laughs> All right, let's pray together. Father, just thank you so much, Lord. It's uh, so exciting. Lord, just your call upon Jared's life to be a youth minister. Uh, Lord, I think some of us saw that, and, uh, but you just really dawned that. It just dawned on him, I think, when he got back from youth camp. And uh, just thank you for just drawing him unto yourself, calling him to the youth ministry. Uh, thank you for North Greenville. What a special institution that is. Just pray you continue to bless them and just help them to... Oh, just stay just following you closely. And just say they seem to do an excellent job. And just pray for Jared, Lord, that you would keep him safe and just help him to make some wonderful friends up there, Christian friends. They have a great time growing in you together. That he would, as Dad said, study hard and uh, really be diligent in his studies and really learn and grow in you. And just thank you how you're going to use him to bring great glory to your name. And do pray we'd be with the family, Tony, Tori, Anna, Grace, and Jacob. Just thank you for each one of them. And just pray your blessings, your comfort, your strength for them. I know this uh, it's a wonderful time, but it's hard. And just pray your blessings upon them. And we pray also, Lord, for the ones we mentioned, uh, Lord, that are sick and struggling. And uh, Father, just pray for each and every one of them. Just your blessings upon them. Help them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless y'all. Have a good one.